This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, we're back here on the block. Thank you all again for joining us on the block as well. On Allo 951, we appreciate all of those listeners and the YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter streams where you guys can always chime in and add your endpoint as well as calling in to the Honda Lincoln hotline or the Sauter Heyman text line via text. You can do so there as well at 402-464-5685. We're in the second hour of On the Block today, and we are going to kind of jump into just an open discussion. Um, and the discussion involves Nebraska. As my great partner, I'm not representing today. He is definitely doing so, representing Nebraska very well. And that's, that's, that's kind of what we're going to delve into. We're going to talk about representation. Uh, Nebraska for a long time has been built on the brand, the N, the brand, the red, big red, GBR, all of that. And now we found ourselves at, a, at, at, at some slow points in our, in our, uh, uh, in, in, in over the years of whether or not guys have come in, the talent level has been down a little bit. Yes. We've had our uh, Prince of Mukamara's. We've had our Dominican Sue's. We've had a great talent that have come in and have represented Nebraska well and the brand. But things have changed. You have now Transfer Portal. You have now NIL. You have a lot of things that are just not about the brand, not about tradition, not about uh, facilities because teams have measured up and caught up in those departments. Um, When we talk about this team right now, we're just going to speak about where they're at right now before any other people jump into the Transfer Portal. Austin, um, do you see, or or you listeners, do you see on this team Anybody that can be a first-round draft pick um, that's representing Nebraska uh, football. Right now. Not this draft, but obviously that's past, but I'm saying Mm -hmm. to come. Right now, I don't think there is. I really don't. I think there are guys who are draftable, but I don't think there's anyone that's going to show up on any, you know, way too early big boards from any of the experts out there. I do think there are some options, though. Again, maybe not for next year's draft. Well, in, in maybe some cases it would be. But I'm thinking, you know, two, three, maybe four years down the line. There are a, a small handful of guys I think could play themselves into that conversation. The one that you know has the decision to make the soonest will be Ben Scott. He's the transfer center they just got from Arizona State. You know, all pack 12 a couple times. Grown man, big body, good mobility. Playing in an offensive line-based league like the Big Ten, if Nebraska has even just a little bit more success, I think it's going to do wonders for Ben Scott's stock. He comes in, you know, actually as a center, higher rated, you know, than Cam Jurgens was, and Cam Jurgens was a second-round draft pick. So I think a good year from Ben Scott um, has him at least in the conversation. I don't know if he would go that high, but I think Ben Scott probably has the best shot of anybody on the roster to be a first-round pick right now. Then we get okay. into a few wild cards. I'll start um, 
Let me think. I'll start on the defensive side of the ball and work my way back to the offense. Elijah Judy transfers in from Texas A&M, 6'3", 300 pounds. That's a big man in the middle. If he puts up numbers, lives up to his, you know, four low five-star pedigree that he had coming out of high school, I think Elijah Judy could do it. Again, we talk about the Big Ten being a line-based league. If Elijah Judy comes in and puts up numbers, I think he's got the size and he's got the pedigree that he's not off people's radar yet. He just has to, to come in and prove it. In a similar vein, MJ Sherman. Played for a couple of years at Georgia. Has that experience. Plays most likely a premium position. He'll be an off-ball linebacker. He can rush the passer, be asked to do some things in coverage. But all the reports we heard out of practice, Strick, were that this dude just looks different. Like, he's big, he's mm-hmm. cut, he can move differently. So it probably won't be in next year's draft. But in two years, I think MJ Sherman can be in the conversation. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I was kind of thinking about myself. Um, uh, I thought MJ Sherman, when I saw him plug holes, hit gaps, uh, run, uh, yeah, you you could tell he got that thing. And it, and it kind of, you know, I, I, can, I can say what it reminded me of at the next level, not necessarily, you know, on the team, but what it reminded me of is Levante David just back in the day, just kind of how he hits holes, speed, quickness, gets into the backfield quickly and can make plays, move around. I'm not going to say he's that, but it just kind of in, in my eyes, what I was seeing reminded me of how his style of play was as well. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that I would like to see progress a lot more um, is because I know his dad and, and family and, um, he is a linebacker here with us, uh, tremendous cornerback um, out of Grand Prairie, Texas, is Michael Booker the third. That's who I would like to see. That's it. Yeah, he, he had the fumble recovery for a touchdown in the spring game. They move him down a level to linebacker, let him get you know, a little bigger, uh, but still be fast. I like that pick, Strick. Yeah, I'd like to, I would like to see that. One other, I would like to see that. Oh, we all would. That'd be awesome. The other guy I would say on the defensive side, he is a freshman. He just got here. But again, I think he was a little bit of an under-the-radar pickup. Played pretty well in the spring game. But I think he has the, the size once he puts on a little bit more weight. I think he has the movement skills. And he comes from a program in high school that's put guys at the next level pretty consistently. That's sincere Safiola, the cornerback who came from mm. IMG Academy, uh, wore 44 as a cornerback in the spring game. He's tall, he's long, he can run a little bit, look pretty sticky in the spring game. And again, we know Big Ten corners get drafted. We've seen that. Witherspoon goes fifth overall. Joey Porter was close. I mean, Iowa has it. So People have their eyes on Big Ten cornerbacks, even though it's not, you know, the past happiest league out there. I think the physical tools combined with a couple years of growth would be really good for Safiola. Uh, well, hey, that's not a great, that's not a, that's, that, that's, no, I'm sorry. That is a great uh, perspective. I, I, I like the fact that he's long. I like the fact that he's rangy. Um, as I'm just kind of processing it in my mind, I like I like what you where, where you're going with that one. That's that's one I would consider. The, I would love to see a little bit more out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a little bit more time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get one day on the crossover. I'm gonna get uh, keep that in mind because I want to get uh, Kenny Kenny start on that. I would love to get Kenny start on that as well. Absolutely. Let's make a shift though. Let's, sh- let's shift over to the other side since Can- we're just talking Nebraska. Can- 
um, you know, men's men's sports. Can I right give you one more football traffic. player? Oh, you've got one more. You I go got one more. Give it to me. I'm going back to give the offensive me. side, and that's Jeff Sims. I, oh. you know, here's the Whoa. thing, Strick. I'm not going to say Jeff Sims is a first rounder. He hasn't proven it yet. Jeff Sims has already done more at the college level, though, than Anthony Richardson has. He's not, you know, as freakish of an athlete as Anthony Richardson is, but still a really good athlete. Matt Rule, you know, has called him a pocket passer who also runs a 4-4, not just, you know, a running back who throws sometimes. Jeff Sims has got to improve the accuracy. He's got to improve the decision-making, got to prove he can stay healthy. But if Anthony Richardson got drafted fourth overall, if he's a success story, I can see teams lining up for Jeff Sims if he takes that step forward. I'm not saying he's going to. It's far from a sure thing. But again, if Anthony Richardson got drafted off of like a season and a half of starting experience at Florida, I'm just saying there's a chance for Jeff Sims. So, so okay, I like I, I like where you're going, but let's talk about it then. Let's dig a little deeper in that real quick. With that being the case, who in that receiving room do you say has the biggest potential to become Trey Palmer-ish with big numbers? Because you're going to need somebody to put up big numbers, big stakes, and somebody mm-hmm. you're going to be able to count on. Is it in the or if it's not in the wide receiver room, is it in the tight end room? It could be. We know the tight end room has the guys with pedigree, the five stars in Fedoni and Gilbert. They very well could be, but again, they have their own questions. Thomas Fedoni's got to stay on the field. Eric Gilbert, for a different reason, has to stay on the field. They have the talent, they have the pedigree to do it, and they definitely could. Um, but but we got to see more out of them um, in terms of on-field production. Wide receiver is a wonderful question. Fleeks uh, coming in, I don't think. Billy Kemp could be a reliable kind of uh, Samori Ture-esque option, but I don't think he plays his way up that high in the conversation. If you're looking for the next Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington isn't fast enough, but I think he's wide receiver one pretty clearly this year. <coughs> Kemp's the number two. And then it comes down to me, Strick, does Xavier Betts have his head screwed on straight? You know, does that coaching staff have a way to get to him, get through to him, keep him engaged? Because if they do, that's a guy with track speed. We saw what he did with the limited touches his first, you know, couple years on campus. If he can stay on the field, I think he's got the speed to be able to stretch deep like Trey Palmer. I think he has good enough hands. And he looked shifty in the open field a couple times. So I think the guy with the most potential to be Trey Palmer 2.0, I would have to say is Xavier Betts. All right. Great answer. Let's shift over to the basketball side of things. Uh, let's run down. Same question. Uh, is there an NBA draft pick either in either round? I'm going to say in either round. I'm not even going to stick to the first round. Let's just say either round. Definitely not lottery. I don't, I, I don't, I don't foresee anybody in the lottery on our team. Let's just be real about that. Uh, but Nebraska balls roster, is there anybody that can fit the mold of a draft pick at all? The one that comes to mind for me right away is one of the guys they just brought in in Bryce Williams the transfer from Charlotte. Plays put up some good numbers at Charlotte in Conference USA. He's, what, 6'7". He'll play the two or the three, mostly shot upper 30s to 40% from three. To me, Strick, if he you know gets a little stronger and can prove that he can hold his own on defense, that's a guy that's worth the flyer in the modern NBA. If he knows his role, if he doesn't try to do too much, I think he could be an NBA role player. Other than that, I don't know. We'll see what Ramel Lloyd blossoms into. He's one to keep your eye on. Uh, I know Rink Mast is on campus. I think he's going to have a hard time making it in the NBA. I think that's a, a good European career kind of guy. So for me, I think it's Bryce Williams is the list with with the 
you know, a, a, a check back on this guy in a couple of years on Ramel Lloyd. So as we're talking about these two teams, Austin, in any way, do you believe that those teams need to have draft picks? Uh, we were blessed to be able to get one in the second round last year out mm-hmm. of uh, Bryce McGowan's. Uh, I still think he would have been a lottery pick, pick as he stayed. But listen, he went out there. He go. He's going to get his money. Opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. You go in the G League and continue to perform, and you find your way into the roster and getting some playing time and looking good at it. Uh, I think he's got a tremendous future there, especially with a lot of the you know the uncertainty, especially with the Bridges situation. Um, real quick, before we, before I do, you think Bridges gets back into the league? Man, Strick, I don't know. I really don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. My gut tells yeah. me he probably does. Whether or not he should, I don't feel comfortable judging. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to judge the. I don't want to judge the situation because all that's been handled in the court situation. You know, um, it, it, it doesn't seem to um, have any butting of heads with uh, um, any of the rules mm-hmm. or any of the CBA. So I'm not going to judge on that. I think a team would take a chance on him similar to like a, I want to say like Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't see San Antonio touch it as long as Popovich is still there. I don't see him to Sacramento. Uh, I, I could see Sacramento. I could see a Sacramento. I don't see Minnesota because they've already got Ant there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see a Utah, uh, I could see possibly an OKC, a lot of assets. You add him, you're going to get him on the cheap, low, low. That's the mm-hmm. thing that these, these non big market teams are going to be able to, I could see it in Orlando too. Um, these, these, these smaller market teams are going to be able to get a prime type of talent potentially. Cause now he hasn't played in some time. Is he going to still be the same in which way are you going to contractually address these situations to make sure that, yo, you stay on point because it's investment, but you're going to get a a max type of player at a super discounted rate. Mm -hmm. So it may be a bust risk reward that you might be able to, you know, take on, let him, let him do it again and earn his stripes and go out and, and bet on himself. That's something to look at as well. But, but for us, uh, do we need to have draft picks in order to have and raise the brand up and have success, whether it be with our local, uh, mm-hmm. with our local uh, recruits uh, or nationally? I'm going to go and say no, Strick, which probably sounds crazy. To compete at the NCAA tournament level, absolutely you do. But for Nebraska to take that next step, even just being a consistent NIT team, you don't necessarily need – NBA draft picks. I see that news as well. We'll get to that in a sec. Here's the reason, Strick. Think about the last, probably best, most recent best Nebraska team. And the uh, the team that went 13-5 and five in the Big Ten uh, made it to the NIT. There's only one guy that went to the NBA on that roster, and that was Isaiah Roby. Isaiah Roby right. wasn't the best player on that team. That was James Palmer right. Jr. Isaiah Roby was maybe the most important, maybe the second most important guy on that team. But James Palmer Jr. was the best player, didn't get drafted. Glenn Watson had been around for a while, didn't get drafted. The other names on that team, um, Isaac Copeland was a guy that was you know high up in the mm-hmm. rank- rankings in high school, 
went to Georgetown, transfers into Nebraska, plays his role. Good, old, experienced college player. Anton Gill, also in the, the RSCI Top 100, transfers in, plays his role. Evan Taylor was a guy that developed a little bit behind the scenes, found a way to play his role. Thomas Allen had a job to do. Nana Kenton had a couple games for that team. So, no. Teddy Buckets. <laughs> that was later. That was later. Hold <laughs> off on that one now. So, I guess when it comes to, you know, elevating the program to at least that consistent NIT level, no, you don't necessarily need NBA draft picks. You need development. You need guys to stick around for three to four years. And then once they've done that, you have a system in place. They grow together. They develop together. And that, to me, Strick, gets you kind of in that range. Let's just look at this last um, season in uh, the Big Ten. You know, Penn State goes 10-10. and 10. I don't know if there's an NBA player on that <laughs> roster, but they make the NCAA tournament. They beat Texas A&M. Rutgers was on the bubble, faded late. Not an NBA player on that team, but tough. They have a system, made a little bit of noise. Um, even Wisconsin made the NIT Final Four without an NBA player on their roster. So, yes, having draft picks would be nice. You don't turn down talents like Delano Banton or Bryce McGowan's, but I don't think it's a requisite for Nebraska to take that next step. Great answer, great answer. Um, I think we'll pause right there. Um, now, unless you want to get into the news or get into that with Brian Munson, you want to do that with, with Brian Munson? I think that's a that's a better take on it. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take a quick, quick, short break uh, and get away and get back over on the other side of it. We're going to have Brian Munson joining us from on three. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, big news. It hit. Thanks for sharing that. Q Kelly, 25. The big news has hit. Aaron Ellis uh, Ellis has joined us as a Husker Go Big Red player for the men's basketball team. So we'll talk about it more on the other side. We'll be right back on the block right after this. <laughs> 